Welcome to another place in time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello everybody and welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Rob Riches. I am your other host, Cheryl Riches. So how are you? Tired. It's been a busy weekend. Yes, very busy. Running around, helping out, doing some trees and stuff. Yep, yep, and lots of naughty yard work. Yep. So, it's been a horrible week. Yeah, well, what are we talking about, first of all, before I agree or disagree? (laughs) But what are we talking about? Uh, All the shootings lately. Yes, it has definitely been very tragic. And then all this news new stuff comes out about the police officers and everything like that. So I don't normally use this platform to talk about things. Obviously, we don't talk about we didn't talk about COVID or truckers yeah. or anything like that stuff. But as you know, uh, I like kids a lot. I have yeah. we have four of our own, and yeah. whenever around other kids, I like to spoil them and stuff. And uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that some parents aren't there out there now, not going to get to see their children grow for no reason, for yeah, no I, absolutely no reason. It just breaks my heart. Literally, like I can't. I, I don't even know. I don't have words. Nobody has words. Over 23 school shootings in the United States this year already. And this one is like by far the worst. 19 children and two um, teachers. So 21 altogether. And now they're finding out that the police didn't rush in like they said they did. And they actually waited for over an hour before they went in. And they're not sure how many children might have been saved had they acted. I didn't know that. So it even gets worse and worse. And I'm not going to, I mean, I wasn't there. I can't see what's going on. I'm just going obviously by reports from, you know, CNN and other things that I'm reading on and stuff. But it's uh, it's really. Well, and then did you hear that one of the teachers that was shot, her husband died two days later of a massive heart attack. attack. Yeah, he was 50 years old. Yeah. And so, so now their children are orphans because they have they had children. So yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's not, it's just, and then not even two days later, someone in Toronto gets shot because he has an air rifle on him. And they well, shut the down police lockdown. were probably on such high alert at that point because what just happened in Texas, but this guy, what, I mean, he shouldn't have gone in there with a BB gun or whatever it was, but he did. And he got shot and killed by police. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do here about guns and stuff. I'm a, I'm and I'm not gonna. I mean, anybody that's listening in the states, I own guns. I like guns. I think it's right to have guns. I just don't know if we need that type of gun. Yeah, like the kid works at a fast food restaurant. He walked in and bought. I don't know gun names, yeah, but AK, I know it wasn't. It was an it's not something that you'd go hunting with or defend your house. Well, with. It, it might be a form of gun hunting, but it's an AK. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think we need like. We don't need that. Like in Canada, we we have our shotguns to go and stuff like that, and we get three shots. Yeah. You know, I mean, if there was an emergency, you can pull a plug. Like if you were in a war or something, you pull the plug and do five shots or something. You know, and mine's semi-automatic as full as I pull the trigger. But I don't know. I understand the right of freedom, and I understand the right of of protecting, and I understand that. Yeah. You know all that kind of stuff, but at what point in time, or where where do you cap it, or or how do you fix it? I don't yeah. know. You know, like Australia had one massive shooting and they just went boom strict on everything and now they've yeah. never had one again i still think that people should be able to have guns i just i don't know what the solution is honestly i don't i think that's the biggest problem is people don't know what the solution is no and the people that you uh put in office to uh 
that are supposed to have the answers or supposed to work for us just seem to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it dies and fades away and we forget about it until yeah. the next one happens. Um, Jimmy Kimmel had a great monologue on it and he's absolutely right. I just don't know when all of us are going to get together and say, you know what, we, we, we agree that you should have guns, but you know, maybe you have to have to be part of a militia and show a militia thing or, or, or something, you know what I mean? So you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I really don't. Cause I don't want to take freedoms away, but reading about children over and over again, being yeah. shot is just getting yeah. ridiculous. And like these children are 10 years old. Yeah. Like what, I don't what could they have possibly done? Nothing. It's, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. So anyways, um, anybody that's listening from the States or anything like that, our thoughts are with uh, yeah. not only Texas, but everybody down there. All of you. I mean, you're it's all, a, I, I, parents are suffering especially, but you're all suffering from this down there. So Yeah, because every time this happens, it also puts them into the big news and, and everything yeah. that and puts another, oh, the States is all gun happy token. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, we've driven through the States. It's beautiful. There's amazing people down there no, that we yeah. ran into. It's not. They, honestly, like we have met some of the best people on our travels in the states to just go out of their way to help you for no reason, just because they're yeah, nice. We had, a, we had a guy one time we were lost and we asked him and he was trying to show us on the map and he goes, "You know what? I got time. You remember?" And he just yeah. drove us all yeah. the way. I probably went an he, hour he and a half drove, out of his way. He did to and make sure that we got in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. Anyways, we're very sorry for all of you. Very sorry. Our thoughts are with you. Thoughts with everybody around the world that are dealing with us right now. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, there's not a whole lot anybody can do about it. No. So no. with that and our thoughts, we will move on to a survival story. Do you have something for us? I do, yes. Do you have a drink? I have a drink. You know what I'd like to have? Cookies. Yeah, my <laughs> wife did not get my cookies. I said, why don't you have some ice cream and cookies and we'll have that after we're done recording. She drives all the way to the store, gets ice cream. I'm like, where are the cookies? Well, they were $6. I'm not getting those. I opened up the fridge and there was Spending four money. There was four vodka drinks in there that must have been under $6. Spending money like we have it, aren't you, babe? Yeah. I guess my, how much were those vodka drinks? They must have been like a buck, right? Because we don't spend over six dollars on stuff. They were less than it. They were less than six dollars. For all four? No. 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 What was wrong with the beer in the fridge? You don't let me drink. The oh, beer now, in the now I don't let you drink it, eh? Okay, that's fine. Remember that. No cookies. <laughs> Cookie Nazi. <laughs> No cookie for you. You're exhausting. Cookie. <laughs> Drink your vodka. I shall. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit over here and mourn my cookie loss. Okay. Do you want me to tell you a story? Maybe. Um, while this story is going on, if you hear rumbling, it's just my tummy. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm <laughs> encouraging your weight loss journey. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You think I'm fat? <laughs> Because Why you're are you trying. encouraging it then? <laughs> what? You're trying. I can't believe you think I'm fat. Oh my God. You just told everybody on air that I'm fat <laughs> and you want me to lose weight. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Nothing. What is wrong with you? You keep doing all this. You are absolutely exhausting. Carry on. Okay. Tell me your story. You didn't do my little intro. However, I'll do it with I did do your little intro. I said, do you have a drink? That's all you said. Oh, I probably forgot because I'm famished. <laughs> oh, okay. Low sugar. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Richard Norris Williams. Okay, let her rip potato chip. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 
He's better known as R. Norris Williams. (gasps) You have no idea. Oh, well, your phone wanted to chime in on that one. Oops, sorry. (laughs) But that's staying in. (laughs) Okay. Where's my laptop? Oh, on January 29th, 1891, Dick, so he, he goes by Richard Norris, R. Norris, or Dick. So I'm going to try not to confuse you. He was born to so some... which one are you going to pick and go with? Uh, Richard, I think, is the one I use. Um, he was born to some pretty aff- affluent parents in Geneva, Switzerland. His parents were Charles Dwayne Williams and Lydia Biddle White. Charles was a direct descendant of Benjamin Franklin. Oh, shocking. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Yes. So we're going to talk about Benjamin Franklin, one of the greatest inventors in the world. And he also was a deserter. Carry on. A deserter. I'm pretty sure if you read about it, he, uh, he left the States after doing something and, and, uh, yeah, there's a whole big thing oh, behind it. I him. don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's always um, conspiracies with big money. No conspiracy. Yeah. All true story. Okay. He was t- So Richard, we're talking about, was tutored privately at a fancy Swiss boarding school, and he spoke fluent French and German. Under the guidance of his father, he started playing tennis at the age of 12, and he was pretty good at it. In 1911, he won the Swiss championship. Yeah, that puts him pretty good. Yeah. So in 1912, he and his father had a plan. They were going to go back to the USA. Richard would do some competing in tennis in the, for, for a little bit, and then he was going to go and enroll in Harvard because I guess he could just lock up and enroll in Harvard. I don't know how it worked out, but that was the plan. So they had their whole trip planned out, but then Richard caught the measles, so the trip got delayed. And as it turns out, instead, they got on board the Titanic. Oh, boy. (laughs) Here we go. Obviously, they were first-class passengers. And I'm I'm assuming that we all know what happened to the Titanic. James Cameron did a little tiny little movie about it. Not many people have seen it. Maybe you have. Um, But just in case, here's a quick rundown. The RMS Titanic, a luxury steamship, sank in the early hours of April 15, 1912, off the coast of Newfoundland in the North Atlantic after sideswiping an iceberg during its maiden voyage. There weren't enough lifeboats on board for half of the passengers. Of the 2,240 passengers and crew on board, more than 1,500 lost their lives in the disaster. Leonardo didn't. Oh, yes, he did. (laughs) Yes, he did. That's right, because... The door wasn't big enough for both of them. But the door was big enough for both of them. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah. I think Rose was just a bitch. What do you think? I think, yeah, she's like, I got the necklace. I don't need you anymore. Bye. Oh, but he never, I don't know. That's not true. He didn't have the necklace. Well, he did. He stole it. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we're talking about this story, yeah. about this movie that you have no idea what you're talking about. That's awesome. Okay. The nearest wireless operator was asleep. And oblivious to the Titanic's distress signals, once the alert did go through, there was a nearby ship that was alerted, the SS Californian. The captain was alerted, and he saw the distress flares, but he decided not to help. No. Nice, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're at the part now where they've just hit the iceberg. Before panic ensued, the actual collision was barely noticed by the passengers. 
Richard and Charles went into the hallways trying to figure out what was going on. First and second class passengers were remarking that they were woken by a slight shudder as the iceberg tore into the side of the ship. Most people felt only a slight vibration. Passengers on the promenade deck at the time of the collision were so casual about the whole thing that they began that some of them began playing with blocks of ice that had broken off and landed on the deck. I do remember that scene in the movie. He used that scene. Richard and his father came across a steward who's talking through the door to a passenger that's trapped inside of a, a room. Richard goes up to the door and hits his shoulder and breaks it open. And then the steward says that he was going to report him for damaging White Star Line property. And I don't know if you remember that scene or not, but that was in the movie too. No, I don't. Do you know what was in the movie though? What? Jack's talking about a lake that he used to go fishing with. Yeah. And the lake actually didn't get made until three years after the Titanic sunk because it was a lake in Canada that was man-made. Oh, why was he in Canada? I don't know. Jack likes Canada. But how did he afford to go traveling back and forth? He was poor. Oh, maybe he just stole away on a boat. I, I mean, guess. that might have happened. I could. You know, I, guess. I think it was with his uncle. Maybe his uncle had money. I don't know. But he went to the lake to go fishing because he was talking about it, and the lake didn't exist. Okay. Pothole. <sighs> okay. So you're on the Titanic. It's sinking. Where's the first place that you would go? What? You're on the Titanic. It's sinking. Where's the first place that you're going to go? The iceberg. The iceberg? Oh, that might have been a good call. But I think... They weren't, didn't get stuck to the iceberg. I think they kind of floated past it after they hit it. You want another interesting fact? What? They said that if they did not turn the Titanic and hit it head on, that they would have broke the iceberg and lived. Another interesting fact, since we're getting into it, is that because there was a full moon, the tide was um, heavier. It was pulling the iceberg. So if, the, if it hadn't have been a full moon, they probably would have never hit it. Wow. Yeah. I guess they shouldn't have said that the thing was indestructible eh? no Talk about tempting fate. <laughs> yeah true are we going to get into the book that was written about the titanic long before the titanic happened no but i i did read about the book and that's what james cameron based a lot of his movie on too sure there was a book Anyways. what's going with your story who are we talking okay. about now i forget richard dick richard yeah okay we were asking <laughs> where you'd go i said on the iceberg okay well they didn't they went to the bar charles tried oh, so that's where you would be <laughs> Yeah. Charles tried to get a steward to fill his flask, but the steward was like, sorry, we're closed. <laughs> he was probably like, look around. Do you notice anything happening? Do you think I'm going to go fill the your flask? The band was still playing? <laughs> they did. And that's a truce that that was true. They did play right until the end. Okay. Anyways, Charles handed the sadly empty flask to Richard and it remains in his family to this day. So now they're kind of wandering around this giant sinking ship, wondering what to do. Clearly the bar was out. So what next? Any guesses? Uh, the food gallery, the kitchen? They went to the gym. They well, they're going to need strong arms to swim. <laughs> they sat on stationary bikes as the water was coming in, trying to keep warm. As the boat started its final plunge, they jumped into the water. At this point, they're up top. They jumped into the water, and very sadly, Richard watched his father get hit by one of the funnels and die. He said, I saw one of the four great funnels come crashing down on top of him. Just for one instant, I stood there transfixed, not because I, it had only missed me by a few feet. 
curiously not because it had killed my father for for whom I had a far more than normal feeling of love and attachment. But there I was transfixed, wondering at the enormous size of this funnel, still belching smoke. It seemed to me that two cars could have been driven through, through it side by side. Just massive, right? Absolutely. So that's sad. He just watched his father die. When the boat went under, Richard was sucked down under the water for a couple of seconds. Not very long. Oh, he stayed on the boat and went under with it. No, they jumped into the water. Oh, that's yeah. what I thought. And then yeah. I was... Con- oh. I know. It did say... It did say he was standing there watching. I don't know why it said that, but that's what he said. That was his direct quote. Oh. Um, at the time, he's wearing this big fur coat. So the first thing he did when he got his head above water was to lose the coat and his shoes. Good call. Yeah. I don't know about the shoes. Richard managed to find a partially submerged collapsible boat. So not one of the lifeboats. It's just this tiny little collapsible boat. He and other passengers of this boat were later transferred into lifeboat 14. While in the lifeboat, ever the gentleman, Richard noticed a man wearing a derby hat with a dent in it. He tried in several languages to tell the man how to push it out, but the guy couldn't understand him. He's probably like, screw off, do you see? I don't care about a dent in my hat, right? Well, I'm um, talking to the wrong guy about that. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a very, uh, very specific on how my hats look. He tried to take the hat off of the man's head to do it himself, but the man got upset, thinking that Richard was trying to steal it. In the middle of this, you're stealing my hat? <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Richard and all of the other passengers waited for hours in knee-deep freezing water waiting for rescue. There were about 30 of them on board, and while some of them died of hypothermia, and some of them died of hypothermia while waiting. Eventually, the Carpathia rescued them. 1,503 people died that night, but they only discovered the bodies of 328. The wreckage of the ship wasn't discovered for 73 years, and it wasn't until 1985 that the ship was discovered for the first time. So we're back to Richard on the Carpathia. The doctors on board the Carpathia came to check on Richard, and Richard's legs were so severely frostbitten that the doctor wanted to amputate them. (laughs) Cut them off. Gotta love old medicine. Your legs look cold. I think we should cut them off. (laughs) If that doesn't work, when we cut them off, we'll throw some leeches on them. Don't worry, it'll stop everything. (laughs) Anyways, Richard said, no, thank you. I think I'll be needing those. So he decided to get up and start walking. Every two hours, he would get up and get the blood moving in his legs, and then he would sleep in between. And it turns out it worked well for him. In fact, later that year, he won his first U.S. tennis championship, and he went on to win many more. Richard went on to serve in the Army during World War I, and he was awarded the Croix de Guerre in the Legion of Honor. He died at the age of 77 in 1968 of emphysema. That's what got him? Emphysema. He must Not have been a shipwreck, a the war. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Smoking. Smoking. Smoking got him. Okay, so I think we have a couple more minutes for me, right? My story? Why? We don't? Sure. We got all the okay. time in the world. Because... I did it. You're not going to believe this, but it's what? our podcast. Nobody tells us what That's to do. That's true. <laughs> well, I tell you what to do, but other than that. I just wanted to talk about a couple of the other survivors because I thought that was kind of a short story. Oh, it is. Oh, by the way. Right. Uh, in 19, or no, not 19, in 1774, the British accused Franklin of treason against the crown. 
for having leaked letters written by the Massachusetts Lieutenant Governor that criticized the Boston rebels. Oh. So he was actually put as a treason. He committed treason against Britain. I didn't Sorry, know that. That's funny that they don't teach you those things, right? I just, I knew about it. I just wanted to correct, though. It wasn't, I said he traded against the States. Right, it was yeah. against hmm. Britain. Okay. Some of the other survivors. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is one of my favorites. <gasps> Charles Gogan was a 33-year-old Englishman and chief baker on the ship. He was lucky enough to find himself. He wasn't lucky enough to find himself on a lifeboat that night. So there he was, just bobbing around in the water, waiting for a rescue. The water was minus two Celsius or 28 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh, let's go with Fahrenheit. Sounds warmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so most people in this situation died of hypothermia in like 15 to 20 minutes. But luckily for Charles, he was completely hammered at the time. <laughs> he had consumed so much booze on the night he sh that the ship sank that he actually survived in the water until dawn when a passing lifeboat rescued him. As well as warming his blood, the sheer amount that Charles had drunk that night also gave him the courage to swim for his life while count countless others drowned or died due to hypothermia around him. He was rescued from the sea with only swollen feet. So Dick almost loses his feet sitting in a lifeboat. Yeah. This guy swims all night. <laughs> yeah, because he was hammered and he was in the he was actually This is why you water. like this story. You don't care. All you're trying to prove is that drinking helps you out. <laughs> Okay. Honey, don't drink. I need to drink. What, what if, if we get in a car accident in the wintertime? Right. I will be warm. What if I fall into an ice bath right now? Yeah. You never know. You just never know. I have to drink wine every night now. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, and then it goes on. In 1886, he was also on board the SS Oregon when it sank in the Boston Harbor. We're back to Boston. Come full circle. But he did live to be 78 years old. Why did he die drowned in another? What do I have? He didn't, what? He didn't drown. Oh, I know he didn't drown. I'm like, what? The, another ship went down with him on it? <laughs> yes. He's bad luck. He shouldn't. People shouldn't get on ships. Is he bad luck or does he have good luck? Oh, that's true. That's true. Right? Two but ships if he's, down. if he's like working on ships, I guess he has more of a chance of a ship sinking than you or I are hardly ever on ships. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Masubini Hasono. I'm sorry. Yeah, you butchered that. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it, and I know you butchered it. Was also a survivor. He was the only Japanese person on board. The only Japanese person on board, and you can't do enough research to say I, his name right? I said I'm sorry. So rude. <laughs> As I am sorry, all my Japanese friends. <laughs> I would have practiced it. As an employee of the Japanese Transportation Ministry, Hasono had completed a work trip. <laughs> now you're scared to say it. I love it. Well, because it was his full name again. I'm like, go with one or the other. <laughs> Don't try both again. <clears throat> had completed a work trip to Russia and booked a second class ticket on the ship. When the ship hit the iceberg, Hasono was already asleep. A loud knocking on his cabin door woke him and he quickly rushed outside. The ship's crew instructed Hasono as a as a foreigner foreigner <laughs> to move to the lower decks of the ship. How strong is that vodka drink? <laughs> I'm just reading a lot. Oh. <laughs> My brain is getting full. Yes, reading. <laughs> that thing that tires you out. Yeah. 
um, which were which were some distance from the lifeboats, the lower decks. He wrote a letter to his wife about how he was unable to dispel the feeling of utter dread and desolation. Okay, so you know that the Japanese are all about honor, right? It's very, very important in their culture. Yes. Okay. Um, anyways, at some point, one of the officers assigned... To, that'll come in to play here. At some point, one of the officers assigned to loading the lifeboats yelled at the crowd that there was space for two more people. Right in front of Hasono's eyes, a man rushed to jump into the boat and taken by the moment. And he was like, well, if he's going, I'm going. And he jumped next, thereby, thereby avoiding death. Hasono eventually reached his homeland, where newspaper headlines dubbed him the lucky Japanese boy. He did interviews and had his picture taken. But then things started to go sideways for him. A first-class passenger called him a stowaway, and the Japanese newspapers turned on him. They started to criticize him for surviving, while so many other people were dead. There were even rumors started that Hasono dressed up as a woman to make it into one of the lifeboats. He was branded a coward and even lost his job because of it. He was eventually given back his job with the explanation that he was very, a very skilled employee. But for the rest of his life, he had to live under the shadow of losing his honor. So I feel really bad for him. Like, he survived the Titanic. It was a terrifying ordeal. And he did what he had to do to survive. Like, everybody was doing that, right? Yeah. And then he was called a, a coward and he lost his honor. Anyways. Well, either way, he would have lost his honor. So maybe he's alive and lost his honor is better than being dead That's with honor. very, very true. Okay. You know, I could see honor, you know, you're going into a fight or something or, or you're doing a karate or something like that. But yeah, when you're like, there's, I don't know. Yeah. It's not our I culture. We can't judge. But That's right. Yeah. Okay. Finally, Michael. There's still more? There's still more. What are you doing? All thousand survivors? There wasn't that many. 300? I don't remember. I said it. I don't remember anymore either because I'm. <laughs> Finally, Michael and Edmund. Because you're going to tell me you're falling asleep. Because I have no cookies. <laughs> <laughs> they were only two and four at the time. So their parents were going through a divorce and custody was granted to their mother. Oh, Div yeah. Look what she did to them. <laughs> the mother didn't take them. It was their father. Oh. The father wasn't okay with that. So he booked tickets on the, on the Titanic under a false name with the plan of starting a new life in America. So he kidnapped his children. Well, it's probably because he knew he wasn't going to get to see him again. Don't get me started on this Anyways, crap. That night that the ship struck an iceberg, Navratil Sr. entered the cabin with another unidentified man, and together they carried the two tiny boys down to the lifeboats. The children got a last glimpse of their father as he dropped them into the lifeboat. Michael Navratil Sr. died in the icy waters, and his two surviving sons were the only children rescued from the ship without a parent or guardian. In the frenzy following the disaster, Michael Jr. and Edmund became something of a media sensation. They temporarily stayed in the home of another survivor, Margaret Hayes, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, while the authorities attempted to track down their relatives. Because the boys, dubbed the Titanic Orphans, spoke no English and had been traveling under false names, tracking down relatives proved to be a rather difficult task. These poor babies were left with strangers that didn't speak their language. So every time somebody asked them a question, they just answered with, we, poor little we. guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, Marcel, their mother, was frantically searching for her sons. At this point, she realized that Michael Sr. had disappeared with the children, although she had no idea that they had been taken aboard the Titanic. 
As the newspaper stories began to make their way to Europe, Marcel spotted one of the articles containing a photograph of her sons, and she was able to confirm their identities with the authorities in America. So Marcel sailed across the Atlantic to go and pick up her boys in New York, and the family sailed back to France. So this was one happy ending among the hundreds of sad stories from the Titanic. That's probably the best thing to do, eh? Why do people always do that? Yeah, they had, well, it's not like the they boat saying, "I lost my dad, and I've been struck with strangers for my whole entire life. Let's get on a boat and go home." I don't think that commercial flights were a thing in 1912. Well, stay in the states. <laughs> okay. Just a couple of little facts to finish this off. Just a few more facts. Um, Did you know that James Cameron spent more time on the Titanic while filming than the actual passengers did? That's not good. Yeah, he did. I think it was 12 dives in total, and he was down there for a few hours every time. So, yeah, he was actually, yeah. That's not good, eh? No. 59 children died that night. 61% 61% of the first class passengers survived, while only 24% of the third class passengers survived. And the last living survivor died on May 31st, 2009. So that's my oh. little Titanic Is that story. that one of the babies? Uh, I think she was seven at the time. She lived a long life. Actually, one of the babies was the oldest. When he died, he was the oldest boy to, to the oldest boy survivor at the time when he was alive. Oh, I thought maybe the two boys you just talked about would have been so alive or survived or something being no. babies. No. Oh. Well, there you go. That's uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. You feel like singing some Celine Dion now? No. <laughs> Near <laughs> yes, you do. See, you do. <laughs> you nope. Nope. I don't think anybody can sing Celine Dion except for Celine Dion. I think, yeah. Well, there are a few, but I'm not one of them. (laughs) Nope. I can't even sing, period. (laughs) So, I guess that means it's my turn. It is. Mine are very short today. Well, it's good that mine was long then, I guess. Yes. But we are going to return to the snow. Oh, I don't want to. This is a cold one. This is is a cold (laughs) episode. You should have saved this one for July. Why? Well, because then I might be like, okay, I'm good with snow right now. But I, we just got rid of the, we just got rid of the snow. Yeah, but it was really hot this weekend, so maybe this will make you think of cooling down. Okay, I was comfortable. Well, you just told me a whole story about a boat sinking in ice. Why didn't you say that one in July? <laughs> How come true. you get to tell the cold stories? <laughs> Shush your face, drink your vodka. <laughs> okay, so. On April 8th, 2000, in Alaska. Okay. Ordinarily, a man killed by an avalanche is not considered a a Darwin Darwin Award. No. Because it's natural disaster. Right. So they're not eligible. It's sad. It happens. But the circumstances surrounding the death of Johnny, a 43-year-old Fairbanks man, are unusual enough to warrant an exception. He was killed not by a natural disaster, by his own blatant stupidity. What did he do? Did he start the avalanche? Yes. Okay. Tell me how. But the thing is, it's not that he started the avalanche. Okay. So Johnny was um, in the summit of Lake Area, north of Paxson, for annual Arctic Man Ski and Snow Go Classic, which combines skiing and uh, snow machines, so snowmobiles, and uh, pristine ice. So a whole bunch of activities going on. It's a big you know, 
like phenom carnival type stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they got skiing going on, snow machines, all that stuff. Um, so I guess to celebrate the event, what they do is called high marking. Do you know what high marking is? No idea. So they take a snowmobile and they go up into the soft snow as high as they can with their snowmobile right before it bogs out and then they turn around and come back down. That sounds, although it sounds awful, it sounds kind of fun. Yeah. So a lot of people do this. And I guess if you go to Alaska and stuff like that, you can see them up there all the time. Oh, yeah. And they try to do it in the higher peaks of the mountain so everybody can see it. And, yeah. and, and you're the king of the mountain until somebody else beats your higher one. Oh, so it's a game that they it play. It does sound kind of fun, even though it sounds very cold. Right. So as I just said, the stunt involves driving up as far as possible the side of the mountain. And just before the machine bogs down from the ascent, turning and driving back down. The U-shaped furrow on the hill marks your best shot until a buddy takes charge of the hill and betters it. So high makers, like I just said again, high makers likes to do it um, above tree levels so everybody can see their display. Using heavy and noisy machines to undermine the snowpack in an avalanche prone area is not uh, for the meek. So that means that this, you know, I mean, like, yeah, you can, like you can start an avalanche by doing this. Right. Yeah. And this was, they were having a warm spring like weather. So it destabilized the snow and caused several avalanches, and the event organizers urged everybody to stop. Okay. So you will die. Stop doing this. Right. And not only that, but Johnny himself had been buried waist deep in an avalanche that day. That very day. That very day, he was already buried waist deep. So that didn't scare the hell out of him enough, I guess? I guess not, because the rescuing state troopers told him to stay off the mountain and go away. (laughs) I wonder if he was drunk. (laughs) But the warnings to Johnny only... uh, substantial experience with the sun machines were not enough to save him the avalanche that ended his life was oh no so it goes on to say so you know you always wonder like are these true are these not true blah 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 so there's actually a guy on here from stew dog uh from fairbanks ak says this story above is correct the man was named and i don't tell you (laughs) yeah and i was there the event was arctic man ski and snow go classic located in the hodu mountains about 160 miles south of Fairbanks. The same weekend, another guy rode a snowmobile at high speeds into the high end of a tilt trailer. He was drunk, and now he was dead. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) What is going on at this event? I need to go. (laughs) It sounds like there's a lot of fun going on. A lot of death, a lot of fun. (laughs) So I guess this does. He goes on to say that this event has been taking place for like 15 years. Um... And he says the only people that ever die are the idiots that show up drinking and driving. He says everybody else respects the snow. Well, does the, what if the cops to. are just telling him, go away. <laughs> if I, I imagine he was drinking, if the cops aren't saying, okay, this is, you know, you're in trouble, you're drinking and driving. No, it's just go away. I think they might need to up the ante a little bit. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> However, he is an exceptional Darwin from dying from an avalanche. After already being buried in an avalanche that day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's remarkable. Yeah, I know. Right? I think I, I mean, I know like, I, like me, I laid down my motorcycle because I got hit by a car. Yeah. I didn't want to get back on my motorcycle that day. Yeah. No, and I don't blame you. <laughs> I had other thoughts. Well, that was in pieces, but it took yeah. me, it took me another week before I was like, okay, I want to go riding again. <laughs> yeah. Even a week isn't that long, really. Oh, well, however. 
for number two. Are you ready for number two? I am ready. This one's going to warm you up. Okay, good. Okay. So this is March 8th, 2018, New Jersey. Okay. Okay. A man died in a vehicle uh, fire, caught on fire, burnt up the hole inside. Okay. How did it catch on fire? He drove around a barricade of cones and onto a live power wires on Franklin Lakes. On purpose? Yep. So he was on road to his father's place to shovel snow. After the second northeastern storm in a week, hundreds of thousands were left without power. Utility crews worked overtime to deal with the downed trees and the electrical lines. Traffic snarls and frustrated motorists were everywhere. Johnny didn't what, want... Sorry, what year was this? Uh, 2018. Oh, I don't remember this. Well, you don't live in New Jersey. I know, but you'd think it would have been newsworthy. Yeah, maybe. Then again, you can't remember what you did yesterday. Very true. You hide your own Easter eggs. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny didn't want to lose time to a detour. According to police, our winner simply navigated around bright orange traffic cones, warning motorists of a hazardous downed wire on Route 208. Responding to the calls, officers arrived at 9 a.m. to find the vehicle fully engulfed in flames. A live power line was sputtering on the roadway near the vehicle, the fire totally gutted the car, and the driver was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh, damn. You want to know the ironic part of this whole thing? He was an electrician. He worked for the city of New York as an electrician. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Why is it always the people that should know better? Because they don't think it's happening to them because they think they know better. Oh, so no. So they don't do any caution whatsoever. They go. That was like your firefighters with the lighter. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. All I know is he goes, ah, it's electricity. I can deal with that. <laughs> My tires are rubber. It's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I know we're for electricity. <laughs> what could happen? <laughs> So, yeah, those are my two awards. See? Very yeah, short today. That's all right. They were good ones. So, call to action. Everybody, listen to us. There we go. Yes. <laughs> the whole world. <laughs> the listen. whole world. I'm it telling you once like, again, tell all your friends just to turn it yeah. on. They don't even have to listen. Just turn it on. What are you going to do tonight? What am I going to do tonight? Try to take over the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> listen to Get or Survive podcast. <laughs> oh boy why didn't you even come up with that take over the world are you thinking what i'm thinking yes i'm going to listen to dead or survive podcast (laughs) yes all right uh yeah i feel like our stories have anything uh we actually had a gentleman joel g we won't say your name obviously uh got a hold of us on uh, facebook so thank you so much for listening and your kind words We appreciate it, and I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Hopefully, you enjoy this one as well. Yeah, we always enjoy hearing from people. It's nice to know we're not just speaking into the abyss. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) We know for a fact four people are listening, and we're going to do the best show we can for you four. We know our daughter's listening too, but she doesn't count. (laughs) So if you're listening, man, yeah. I guess Quinn listens too. So we know six. Yeah. Six people. Yeah. We got to up our game. <laughs> we got to get way we better. We know that there's more people listening. We I do. Know. But it's just always nice to hear. It is nice to hear. And if they wanted to reach us other than Facebook, how could they do it? Oh, how about email? 
And how would they do that? At debtorsurvivepodcast at gmail.com. Yay. You can also check out our Instagram and like we mentioned before, Facebook. Yes. So I guess it's that time of day. It is. However, before I do the dad joke, I have to ask you a question. One more news question. Okay. So I was just reading on here. Did you hear the, the, uh, so what's this right here? So it's saying right now that there is a new study done on towels. Is this your dad joke? They're the leading cause of dry skin. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so be careful. Yes. It's very yes. newsworthy. <laughs> okay. That was like a real bad joke. <laughs> what? Real, real legit dad joke. I can give you some other ones, but you're not going to like them. <laughs> what, if they're, what are they? Are they misogynists? No. Right. You remember the joke I told you today about dead people? I'm not going to tell you that one on okay. the air. <laughs> All right. People are going to be wondering now, what is that joke? What is that joke? <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they can email. Yeah, if they email, I'll email you the joke if you email us and want to know. But don't be offended by it. Yeah, but no offended. You've been warned. (laughs) I have pretty bad jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. As always, have a good night. Our thoughts are with you, Texas. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.